Devin White has reported to mandatory minicamp in a roundabout sort of way. We tell you if it is good between the Bucks and number 45. That and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to the Locked On Box Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we thank you so much for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or view every single day. You can, of course, subscribe for free or follow for free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you are following us on Twitter. I am James Yarko at jyarko underscore box, joined by Mr. WTSP Wednesday himself, Evan Klosky, on Twitter at eklosky. WTSP. I'm the deputy editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com. And Evan, of course, can be seen on and you can read his stuff on 10 Tampa Bay and at 10 Tampa Bay.com. And right now we are coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during the slow part of the offseason, along with our everydayers. And we want to share our appreciation for your continued support of the show. So thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or view every single day day. Evan was on the ground for mandatory minicamp on Tuesday. We have some of his biggest takeaways coming up in just a little bit, but we have to start with the main event, the never-ending off-season topic ever since a very ominous Instagram post was placed up by Mr. GetLive45 himself, Devin White, who did report to mandatory minicamp. He took play, you know, he took part in some promotional photo shooting, but then he didn't practice. He was out there without a helmet. He was out there with Russell Gage, who was still dealing with a little bit of an injury. He was out there with a couple of other guys that are dealing with injuries and and not participating. But Devin White, we weren't really sure of any kind of lingering issue, any kind of recovery, anything you know of that nature, even. Shaq Barrett was working on the side in his rehab from his Achilles injury. So Todd Bowles was asked about uh, Devin White's availability and his not participating in the drills at minicamp. And Todd Bowles said, quote, it's not a hold in. We'd like to see where he is physically. So we don't feel like we need to put him out there right now until we test him and do everything. Two or three days of camp isn't going to help him that way. When continued to ask about the topic, Todd Bowles talked about the contract issue and the trade demand and and those sorts of things where Bowles went on to say, quote, his mindset is good. It's just business. That's part of it. That takes care of itself. He'll be ready for training camp and he'll be good to go. And quote, Evan Klosky, are you buying or selling Todd Bowles explanation for Devin White's lack of participation? It's a sell and a buy. It's a sell because it it looks like a hold-in. All right? It it smells like a hold-in. Looks like a Um, hold-in. But I do want to buy the fact that uh, Devin White has not been in the facilities all off-season long. So they don't know what his capabilities are. They don't know his foundation, none of that. 
So even Levante David, who we saw for the first time in front of cameras, uh, Todd Bowles did say that Levante has been in the facility. He has been to some non-media practices. He has been participating here and there. So they have a good beat on where he's at. So that I do buy. But it seems like a hold-in. And I also, you know, for Devin White, it makes no sense to risk any form of injury for these three days. Look, I mean, fact of the matter is, is Devin White understands the defense. He knows what to expect. The install isn't as elaborate for him as it is for maybe somebody on the offensive side. Like if this was like Mike Evans in a situation, it'd be a little bit dicier because like, hey, man, you got to there's a lot more to learn here with the canal system. But so so I don't think there's any harm in this and to just play ball with Devin and to say, look, man, we get it. We got your back. Just get through the offseason. We'll see you at the end of July. But it's um, it, still a tenuous situation, one that I assume Devin will be showing up day one of training camp ready to go. But I don't think the Devin White questions will stop when he shows up to training camp. I think this is going to be a storyline that is always talked about. And if the Buccaneers have the season that many prognosticators are talking about, then we have to discuss what his future is. Remember, I mean, it is sort of a copy and paste job of Roquan Smith. I mean, he last year with the Bears, disgruntled, threatened to hold out, showed up for training camp, got traded, and then what he got he got his contract in January when the Ravens got a feel out process. So I don't think the situation's over with, but I do think that Devin White will play ball when it's time to play ball. Yeah, this this has all the uh the stench of a hold in. And like you said, I mean, Todd Bowles is out there protecting his guy. He doesn't want to add any fuel to this fire. He doesn't want to say, well, yeah, Devin doesn't want to participate, so he's not participating. No, he's trying to protect his guy and and show, you know, look, hey, we're we're on your side. We're, you know, the business aspect is going to take care of itself. Don't worry. You know, we're not throwing you under the bus. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying Todd Bowles shtick at all in regards to Devin White. And look, that's Devin White's prerogative. David and I have said numerous times on this show dating all the way back to the very beginning we are a pro get your bag podcast and if that means that devin is going to get his bag with the buccaneers great if it means that he gets his bag elsewhere best of luck as long as the buccaneers aren't facing you it, it is what it is and if he's if he's this disgruntled and and he still feels like he wants out then you know that's what's going to end up coming to fruition one way or another, whether it's a trade, whether it's in the offseason, whatever it is. But a a hold in, quote unquote, when your coach is saying, oh, no, we're just trying to evaluate him physically right now and and not wanting to push any any kind of issue from that aspect. You know, he's he's not hurting his uh, open market value. He's not showing teams that, hey. I'm going to sit and pout when I don't get my way. Uh, you know, very different from what we're seeing from like Saquon Barkley right now. There's all the Stefan Diggs, like he was here and then he disappeared, and we don't really know what's going on with him situation. Yeah, it's weird. So 
Devin, Devin is certainly doing what he feels he needs to do without causing any kind of negative press uh, in regards to to mandatory minicamp. Yeah, and it will it will play itself out. It is the business, and I think there's two sides of the coins that um, on one side fans I think unfairly jump on Devin a lot. Um, generally speaking, because of the inconsistency, which is why the Bucks organization doesn't want to pay him right now. They want him to prove that from game one to 17 and above that he's going to be the same guy in and out versus the, right, the, the Seahawks performance and then the Ravens game, the Thursday night football game where he loafed. Uh, on one play, or you know, as according to him, but you know, it was bad tape, bad tape. But then, you, so, and that's what Devin has to understand is that he is an elite linebacker in this league. His athleticism, um, the ability to get after the quarterback and have splash plays—I mean, that is a desirable ass, uh, asset in the NFL on NFL defenses. But to get paid that type of money. To be paid as the top guy or one of the top guys, I'm sorry, but the guys who have gotten paid day in and day out do it. And doing it 14 of 17, um, 13 of 17, 15, it's just, you can't, the greats don't have those types of moments. You know, efforts never questioned with the greats. Maybe the performance isn't excellent every single game but sure. effort is never questioned and that's what i think ticks off the buccaneers fan base the most and i think that's what worries the buccaneers front office the most is that when he gets the bag does his foot come off the gas pedal these are the questions that the the bucks have to weigh all year long and i would believe if devin white thought that there was a market out there for him to make this type of dough and push the trade through that he would continue to put his foot down to get that done. I do not believe that market is out there for him yet. It could be at some point, but right now I think a lot of other organizations have mixed emotions on Devin white as well. Yeah, there's, there's no question about it. I mean, you don't see, you don't see Levante's effort ever being questioned. You don't see Vita's effort or Tristan's effort ever being questioned. So there's a lot to prove. And, you know, it, there's a lot to prove for both sides uh, of this quote unquote dispute. But Devin White issues aside, there was a lot going on in day one of mandatory minicamp. And Evan breaks down his biggest takeaways. That is coming up next on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make your way to FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The Buccaneers are currently slated with an over-under of six and a half wins on FanDuel Sportsbook, while the newly crowned NBA champion Denver Nuggets are tied Tied, Evan, with the Milwaukee Bucks as plus 460 favorites 
to win it all next year. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. And every day, be sure to come back on Friday as David and I wrap up all that happened at Mandatory Mini Camp. And Evan, day one happened today. You guys were out there. I know you posted some videos. Uh, a lot of people were posted videos. From what we understand, you know, Baker Mayfield out there dropping dimes to Chris Godwin in the end zone. Uh, lots of, lots of things occurred. Not all were spoken about recorded, you know, posted on social media. I'm sure if Baker had overthrown Mike Evans by 15 yards, that would have gone viral by now. Uh, but what, what was your number one biggest takeaway from the first day of mandatory minicamp? Well, first off, 100% attendance, even with the hold in or whatever we want to call the Devin White situation. Not hold in, man. Um, everyone was there, so that's great to see. I mean, from Ryan Jensen getting some work in, Aaron mm-hmm. Stinney looking good. He's looking like he. I was surprised. I mean, that's a significant injury, and to seem like he's going to come back day one of training camp, at least in some form or fashion. I don't know if it'll be a full go, but. You know, this is a guy who was possibly starting on the offensive line last year before the injury in in the preseason. Uh, Shaq Barrett, um, you know, our thoughts are still with his family. He's mm-hmm. out there still rehabbing from his Achilles injury. But that was the first time we've seen him at one buck since everything that happened last month. Um, so that was the number one thing. Team is all there. You're hearing some other things with, right, like the, the Jets canceled uh, minicamp. The commanders are just going to have team meetings. You know, the, the Buccaneers, they're they're all in. They're they're all there. They're taking advantage of the days. And outside of Devin White, uh, not really participating, Russell Gage, still nursing some sort of injury that we don't know about. Sean Tucker, the, the running back that they like, the, the Thomas Rawls uh, prototype that Dave Canales said, uh, not practicing some, some – um, Outside of a handful of players, I mean, we got we got to see them get involved, and and that's pretty big for uh, a handful of these Super Bowl champions that are still left on the roster. But on top of that, oh, and and also I want to mention Todd Bowles pretty much confirming that Matt Filer is going to be the starting left guard. It's quote his job to lose. So excellent. Um, so we know that. Uh, the other thing to know is the defense. Definitely won the 11 on 11 period, which should not shock anybody because Dave Canales' offense is still getting installed and they're trying new things out and they're still working on chemistry things. Todd Bowles' system has been in for a handful of years. Most of the people on the defensive side of the ball are veterans. Remember, the starters, most of them are veterans. There's a handful of exceptions, but it's it's not crazy to think about that the defense is going to be outpacing the offense, not just for the three days of mini mini camp, but also going at the training camp. I would expect the defense to be on another level 
solely based on the difference in quarterback with Tampa Bay and also the new system that's getting installed. But loved hearing Kyle Trask say that the number one thing with this offense is unpredictability and not that he was throwing a jab at last year's offense and comparing them, but when he mentions the shifts and motions and what they're trying to do, which is present the same look and do a multitude of things out of that, it's very clear that the philosophy that is happening with Dave Canales and his offensive coaches resonates with this team. Baker even had a quote that says the running game is going to surprise you. And I'm, I'm kind of, it's not, this isn't the exact quote, but he's pretty much just that everybody here is going to be surprised, like surprised, or I'm going to be excited for you guys to see the running game and what we're trying to do and how effective it's going to be. When the Buccaneers can get that running game going, it's really going to open up everything else in their arsenal. A lot of quick action, a lot of intermediate to short work for Baker Trask. Uh, it's going to be fast-paced. It's going to be night and day from what we saw last year with the Byron Leftwich Brady-led offense and Dave Canales and what he's installing with Baker or Kyle Trask. So, to me, it's, again, 100% attendance. We learned some information from the players after – a month, essentially, this is the month time of, you know, they're finishing up their month of, of OTAs minicamp. And then also understanding that the offense is still a work in progress. They're still working through creative juices, trying new things out, and that there is a belief that the Russian game is going to be significantly better. Not that they're going to lean more heavily on it, even though I don't necessarily believe what they're telling me. They keep Every time we tell them, oh, you know, ask them a question about the Russian game, Russian game, you're going to do more of it. They say the game will dictate that. But in the end, I think there is going to be a commitment to the Russian game, not just on what we've seen in practice, seen in OTAs, uh, seen in the, the, the signings and the personnel decisions, but also going back to last year when Bowles was ticked off and saying we need to commit more to the run. I feel like we, we stepped away from it too early. We didn't keep pounding away. So there were um, – those are sort of the, the big things. Um, the other information nugget was uh, Chris Godwin, I believe, mentioning that he likes what he's seeing from Zion McCollum. Uh, Todd Bowles mentioned it as well, that the game has slowed down a little bit for him. And to me, when we eventually get closer to training camp, uh, and we go through, hey, who are some of the players we're interested in keeping an eye on? Zion McCollum is going to be very high on my list because he's not a necessary piece maybe in week one, but he will absolutely be thrust into game action throughout the course of the season, and he's going to play a pivotal role in the defensive success in that secondary and hopefully providing um, – not providing an easy option for opposing quarterbacks to go to and exploit something we saw last year when he stepped onto the field. Yeah, I always go back to Antoine Winfield Jr.'s comments to me in training camp last year when I asked him about Zion McCollum, and he just gushed over what an athletic freak McCollum is and and what that brings to, to the defense. But, you know, we know corner is arguably – 
the hardest position to transition from college to the NFL behind the quarterback position. And we know how complex Todd Bowles' system is and, and can be. So hearing you know the, the positive things about Zion now that it is starting to slow down, he's starting to get more comfortable, you know, maybe he could blossom into somebody that really becomes an impact player. I hope so. Zion was was you know fun to to keep an eye on, fun to to speak with last year, and uh, you know you want to see him succeed. And real real quick, uh, before we before we move on, I have to circle back to something that you really just kind of glossed over, and I want to reemphasize. You said all of the shifting and all of the motion that is going on is is, is that legal? Can yeah, that in the NFL, it's because- crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be Buccaneers fans are going to like what they see. And as I've said before, and I'll repeat it and I'll say it again entering the season as well, there are going to be some rookie lumps here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think we're going to walk away from the season. You know, hopefully for the fan base out there, you're going to walk away pleasantly surprised with how far this team went. But I do believe fans are going to walk away saying, man, I don't know if the players executed or, you know, they left a lot of plays out there, but the philosophy and the things that they're doing, they make a lot of sense. I like what I see. I can't wait for next year. I I feel like that's the way we're going to leave this season. Just going to zip right through 17 weeks of football and maybe some more and tell you how we're going to talk about this uh, come, come next February. But that's, that's generally speaking because, I know fans have not heard a lot from Dave Canales yet. You're going to fall in love with him. He's an unbelievable communicator. His philosophy is fantastic. The idea of presenting the same play in three different fashions is really going to mess with opponents and it's going to open things up. going to make it real hard to, to game plan for having said that Dave is going to go through some, lumps as a coordinator and and calling plays for truly the first time outside of what he's done in practice which he's done a multitude of times even you know day back to seattle bulls is thrusting it into different situations whatever but with a new system it's gonna it's gonna get interesting number one key dave trask mayfield bulls have all said protect the dang Football. They didn't do that in day one of minicamp, and it's got to be reiterated because even though it's believed to be mentioned it last week that Baker Mayfield's it's going to be his job to lose. We think if he turns the ball over, that is the number one thing that's going to piss Canales off the most. Do not turn the ball over. Same thing goes with running backs. I'm very interested to see how. Throughout the course of a season, Dave works when a running back fumbles. If Rashad White fumbles, does he ride with him and, and stick with him? Or does he do the Belichick thing where it's like, oh, you're in the doghouse. You know, I'm, I'm going to lay down the law when it comes to turnovers. That'll uh, that'll definitely be something interesting to see how, how that one unfolds. But Rashad White doesn't turn the ball over, so we don't have to worry about that. But, Evan, there is another position battle that has begun in minicamp, and Baker Mayfield is none too pleased about it. That is coming up in just a moment here on Locked on Bucks. 
things up here on a WTSP Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have brought in former Indianapolis Colts kicker Rodrigo Blankenship to compete for the kicking job against Chase McLaughlin. Uh, Dave Canales seemed really excited to see Blankenship, but the first thing that Baker Mayfield said to him was, quote, I still don't like you. And that, of course, stems from Baker Mayfield's uh, Rose Bowl loss with the Oklahoma Sooners against Blankenship's Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, Blankenship was pretty solid for the Colts in, in 2020. He made 86.5% of his field goals, 95.6% of his extra points, but he really, really struggled in 2022, and that caused him to be released. He ended up getting picked up by, I believe it was Arizona. Um but this is another guy, Evan, that doesn't have a lot of range. He's just two for five from 50 plus yards in his career. So you're you're coming out of a season with a, a kicker that didn't have a lot of range. He was reliable, but you know, when you were in that that 50 to 55 yard field goal range, a lot of times you were resorting to punting. Uh sometimes you were going for it, not getting it. Uh, what is what are your thoughts on this competition now? Uh, you know, I, I, I still think McLaughlin is going to be the kicker, but I think what you're seeing is a you want to have competition, and my b he can't kick everything, so you need someone to kind of also take some kicks as well. But c I think it's important to have a backup plan. Kickers to me are like relief pitchers in baseball. What you did last year is not necessarily going to correlate to what you did the following season. That's what made Ryan Suckup so desirable is his consistency. Now, he was consistent in short range, and he was consistently bad in long range. So you're hoping that Chase bridges that gap between being good enough short and long. But let's say you get to camp, you go through some preseason games, and Chase is stinking it up. He's not making the 30s, the 40s. And sure, he might bomb a 55-yarder here and there, but there's a lot of issues in the, the need to have chippy field goals. Well, you have an option now where last year, um, you know, the thought is that Blankenship was injured. He got that all fixed up. He's healthy, ready to go. You now kind of have brought that Ryan suck-up Esque competition to this, where we expect Blankenship to be very sturdy from within 50, but we know what he's going to do beyond that range. So you're you're allowing yourself the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and you might want to circle back to what you had before, where you were making the 30s and 40s and the extra points and not worried so much about the deep shots, and maybe you just adopt a philosophy where you go for it, something Bowles was reluctant to do and what was sometimes confounding and made fans mad. I mean, I think that's probably the debate that they're having, and I think you don't have to make a decision now. Why not have the debate through August? So uh, competition never hurts. We'll see what happens. I imagine it's, it's still Chase is the leader in the clubhouse. And again, in my opinion, similarly to, to Baker, 
he would have to really it would have to be like woof for him to lose that job and and for fans to kind of be like uh don't worry about the long ones let's let's go with the other guy yeah he'd have to really roberto aguayo it to uh yeah always too soon no no it's not it's Um, always too soon and and look you know obviously if if that does happen and rodrigo blankenship is the guy and it's you know a range of 52 yards, but it's fourth and three, fourth and four. Well, now maybe just maybe uh, call me crazy here. Todd Bowles would give crazy Dave Canales the green light to say those three words that every offensive coordinator, offensive player and fan loves to hear. Let's go punt for it. it. No, go for it, because maybe just maybe there was a little bit of a trust issue between Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, which is why they didn't go for it, that he just didn't believe that Leftwich was going to draw up the right play and not end up forcing you know, a, a turnover on downs. This is the guy that Bowles has handpicked now. You would think that there would be some trust there to be like, you know what? I believe in my offense coordinator. I believe in my players. They're going to get us three yards. They're going to get us four yards, and we're going to keep the ball moving. Just, you know, just a, a theory of mine. But I'm starting to think that there was a lot of trust issues that caused them not to go for some of these fourth downs that we saw Bruce Arians having no problem going for. But Bruce Arians was kind of babysitting the the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that's a very astute point. And I I, I agree with you. I think that that definitely weighed into the decision. And again, that's why I personally think it was fairly unfair to judge Todd Bowles fully off of year one because you mentioned the babysitting of the offense when Bruce Arians was at the helm. I think Todd Bowles was babysitting the philosophical issues from the offense for most of the season. And and by the way, Todd Bowles still, in my opinion, is elite as a defensive head, as a defensive coach. I mean, like, let's say he gets fired tomorrow from the Buccaneers. Who would not want Todd Bowles as your DC? Right. They will line up for him. He is fantastic. So believe me, if other teams know how to stop that offense, that Byron Leftwich led offense, you know that he was watching that tape every freaking day and he's like, oh my God. Oh my God. And um, so yeah. So that uh that I think that's a that's a very important point and something where Bowles has to get the feel out process with that kicking game into July preseason and uh, entering September 10th against the Vikings. Yep. Well, and of course, everyone's looking forward to October 15th, uh creamsicle game. Uh, creamsicles! I, I am pleading to Ross Jackson right now. Ross, if you are still listening to this episode, um, I need, I need creamsicle graphics for that yeah. entire week. Get it All done, week Ross. long, cream, creamsicle graphics graphics please and 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 throw in the icy pop cream schools too yeah or or the the ghost uh orange cream energy drinks those or or the uh stewart's cream soda oh yes yeah we'll we'll drink that on the show all week long hashtag not a sponsor hashtag but you could be with that we are going to get out of here uh make sure that you come back on friday as David and I talk about all that went down 
during mandatory mini camp. In the meantime, if you have questions, thoughts, reactions, um, anything at all, of course, you can drop those in the YouTube comments. You can send them to us on Twitter or you can email us at lockedonbuckspodcast at gmail.com. Check out everything that Evan is doing over on 10 Tampa Bay and at 10tampabay.com. Check out my work over at bucksnation.com. And of course, follow everything on Twitter at lockedonbucks, at jarco underscore bucks, and at ekloski, WTSP. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. We thank you so much for joining us right here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.